Welcome to the Voice of Trust. Our podcast is about consumer rights, trustworthy businesses, and updates on the latest scams throughout the Mid-South. Now, here's your host, Daniel Irwin. And welcome to The Voice of Trust, coming to you from our studios right here in Memphis, Tennessee. I am Daniel Irwin and have Charles Nichols here with me. We are with the Beater Business Bureau of the Mid-South, serving 28 counties in Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. The Voice of Trust is a regular podcast about consumer rights. We highlight trustworthy businesses and we update you on the latest scams in our area. And today you may uh, notice we're missing Todd Netta, Todd Trice, Todd's Tips, you don't hear her voice. She is out today, but I got Charles with me. Charles, how are you doing, man? I'm all good. Missing Todd, though. Yeah, it's Todd. not the same without Todd. Uh, we have a great show lined up. We're going to uh, tell you about some things you need to know about coming down from the FTC. We're going to talk about, unfortunately, some charity scams. And we have a treat for you. Uh, Charles actually sat down with a young entrepreneur for some a new segment we're going to try. Uh, Charles? Doing this new segment called The New Era of Trust. And we have a special friend of mine from college. So basically what we're going to do is just tap into the young entrepreneurial mindset of the ethical marketplace and just see where it goes. So later on today or later on in this podcast, you'll be able to listen to my friend and we'll, we'll talk about uh, her business and her story. And you guys will love it. You said college, D1 athlete, D1 right, athlete. There you go. D1 athlete. Is she a D1 athlete too? She a D1 athlete? No, she was not a D1 athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back. Ever have one of those awkward moments when a business disappointed you? You got ripped off? Didn't get what you expected? The Better Business Bureau can help you avoid these uncomfortable situations. BBB accredited businesses are honest, ethical, and reviewed annually by the BBB. Don't experience another awkward moment with a bad business. Trust the ones that operate with integrity. Look for the BBB seal. It's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. So talking a little bit about consumer rights, uh, something that hits home for me and I know uh, will probably hit home for Charles, uh, is your kid using education technology? Well, I know mine has been. And whether it's in class or at home, kids are probably using technology to do their schoolwork. Mine did. Uh, she does still. <laughs> but have you ever wondered what information that technology is gathering from your kid? It can be really scary. Um, the FTC has and recently issued a policy statement that put educational technology companies on notice. Kids should not have to give up their privacy rights to do their schoolwork or go to class remotely. So in other words, uh, these companies, you can't require parents and schools to agree to the comprehensive surveillance of children for kids to use those learning tools. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? No one wants anybody spying on our kids. And you may have uh, heard of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, also called COPA. It's at the center of the FTC's efforts to protect kids' privacy in the digital world. This law, which is enforced by the FTC, says that any site or service, and when I mean service, I mean an app, that COPA covers has to get a parent's uh, okay before it collects personal information from your child under 13. COPA also protects kids' privacy in other ways, like limiting how long companies can keep your child's personal information and requiring that they properly safeguard that information. And when a company breaks the rules, the FTC can and will sue. Uh, they are really cracking down on this, uh, and I'm really glad to hear it. 
Um, so parents, the message uh, that the industry is getting from the FTC is that it is watching more closely than ever. And, um, you know, they should be, uh, Charles, I know you may not be in this boat yet, but you recently had a child. Um, you will be soon, man. It's a scary world out there. Uh, I have a nine-year-old and she is always on her iPad. She's always on the computer. Uh, she does most of her schoolwork. It's, it's online based. They don't even have books anymore, by the way. All wow. of their curriculum, you know, they download it on their, on their tablets and computers. Uh-huh. I mean, the, the days of lugging around books are gone. Oh, um, wow. You don't have to yeah. deal with this yet, man. But no, as a father, man, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you know, um, it can be really scary. Because, uh, mm. you know, just in our world, right? If, yeah. I, if I'm looking up something on my phone and then I go to Google, it's going to, you know, ads mm. for that going to pop up all over. And that's just me and that scares me. But I can't think of someone tracking my kid mm. like that. Yeah. Doing schoolwork, <laughs> man. You know, and it's it's funny. We don't want to think about that, but we have to as yeah, parents. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think, man? You're going to yeah. be dealing with that soon. Yeah, sooner than you think. Honestly, I know your child is nine, but mine just turned three months this morning. Wow. So, but one of his baby shower gifts was a tablet. And I, for one, I was telling my fiance this. I am telling her, like, hey, we are going to stray away from technology for the longest, like, because technology is taking over the world, it's unavoidable. But we're gonna try and avoid it as long as we can, man. It's just, just like you said, it's so much to be concerned about. And then I don't, I can't monitor him right. like twenty four seven when he's on his iPad or tablet or whatever. So well, I'll tell you what scares me, man. As as the parent of a small child, is someone creeping on my kid? You know, that I mean, too. there's all that's kind of like malware and and all that stuff. And I'm I'm by no means a tech wizard, as Charles will tell you. <laughs> um, but I, I know that there's stuff out there, and you know, kids don't necessarily yeah. know. They wouldn't know. Right. They click on something and then next thing you know, like there's video feed of them. I mean, I've heard stories and seen stuff. And sometimes you and me are privy to things that happen in the tech world that, you know, most people may not be just because of our job. And man, when I tell you I've heard some horror stories about about kids and technology, it it, it keeps me up at night. Yeah, um, exactly. And speaking of kids, you may be wondering uh, where Todd is today. Todd <laughs> is actually, uh, we think, in labor right now, possibly, um, <laughs> or has already had a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, Todd uh, is expecting child, and we she may have already had her daughter, uh, or she's having it right now. So she'll have to deal with this too. <laughs> yes, he wanted to join the Parenthood Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in other news, uh, in, in, in consumer rights news, Charles, what do you got for us? So recently, the FTC announced it is sending out a second round of refunds to some of the people affected by a major payday lending scheme operated by AMG Services Incorporated. That uses names like 500 FastCast, OneClickCast, Ameriloan, United Cash Loans, and U.S. Fast Cash, among others. If you got an online payday loan from a company linked to AMG, you might be getting a check in the mail. If you do, cash it before August 17th, 2022. Wow, that's really specific date there. That you <laughs> yeah. cash a check. Oh, that's funny. So the FTC sued AMG for charging people way more for loans than they had originally agreed to pay, and they actually sent the first round of refunds in 2018. Uh, now the FTC is sending more than 690,000 refund checks, totaling $152 million. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, guys, if you're wondering if that check you got is real, Charles, how can they check on that? Visit ftc.gov slash AMG to verify your check. 
Here's what you'll know. Checks will arrive automatically. You don't need to apply or fill out a claim form. Checks will expire on the date I said earlier, August 17th, 2022. So do not wait to deposit yours. Don't wait. <laughs> Before August 17th, 2022. Very specific, as you said. <laughs> and remember that the FTC will never ask you to pay money or give your account info to get a refund. So if someone asks you for something in exchange for your AMG refund check, that is a scam. And you should report it to bbb.org slash scam tracker and to the FTC at ftc.gov. Also, if you lost money to AdvoCare, a multi-level marketer of energy drinks, shakes, and supplements that allegedly swindled people out of money through a pyramid scheme, we have good news. Thanks to the FTC's lawsuit, starting last month, more than 224,000 people who lost money to the AdvoCare pyramid scheme will be getting checks or pay, PayPal payments. So if you get a check or a PayPal payment from FTC versus AdvoCare, cash or accept it quickly. Refund checks will expire on August 3rd, 2022, uh, and PayPal payments will expire on June 4th. 2022. So that's, uh, that's coming up soon. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, if you have questions about your refund, contact the FTC and remember the FTC never requires you to pay money or give account information to cash or refund check. Anyone who contacts you says they'll help you file for a refund or get your money back if you pay them first is a scammer. And again, if that happened to you, report it to the BBB at bbb.org slash scam tracker or the FTC. And speaking of scams, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the national baby formula shortage. Um, not just trying to piggyback on the headlines, but, you know, unfortunately, um, with this shortage, we are seeing scams. Charles? Scammers exploiting the high demand for baby formula have sunk to new lows. Yes, just, just like the one the pandemic started, just expect if anything is a shortage of anything, just know that there's probably going to be some scammers that take it to their advantage. And it's really sick, too, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, because this is one of those scams, man, where um, it, it, it's, it's just sick because it yeah. affects children. Exactly. And it affects mothers. And, and, and I mean, I know... I get mad just thinking about this. I can't even mm -hmm. imagine. You've got a kid that still probably takes yeah, formula. Exactly. How have you been impacted by this, man? Man, it's crazy. So I would say the benefit of having two big families on both uh, my fiance's side and my side is that they everybody was looking. And we were unsuccessful in a lot of areas. Like the whole Memphis grocery stores were wiped out every time. So her family took a trip back to Indiana. That's where she's from. So her family took a trip back to Indiana, and her nana was in Chicago, and they found just a couple bottles there. So how I was able to get past it is that every time that they saw at least a couple bottles, they would go ahead and get it, and then we'll uh, get it from them. And then my side found some, um, I think when it was. Oh, they were in Florida, and they had to find some. So they didn't they didn't even find any, uh, yeah. any locally. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And what's happening is uh, scammers are are setting up fake websites and they're popping up online and they're tricking desperate parents and caregivers into paying steep prices for formula that never arrives. Uh, these fake websites are profiles on social media platforms with products, images, and logos of well-known formula brands uh, are all a ruse to get you to pay money for something that doesn't exist. Right? Um, it's it's outright fraud. 
Uh, before you order from an unfamiliar online store, follow our advice to help avoid a scam. Uh, make sure you check out the company or product uh, by going to the Better Business Bureau, right? Um, and be really weary of online stores that have a, a, what we call scammer grammar because a lot of times with these online stores, um, first off, if there's not a brick-and-mortar address under the contact us or if it's a random house or a P.O. box and something doesn't look right, stay away from it. Yeah. If you see any red flag, just stay away. But in any legitimate online shopping store that's originating in the United States, it's required to have a physical address. So if you see if you don't see a physical address anywhere that originates in the United States, stay away from it. Um, if you can check out, there's a lot of cool sites out there, but you scam advisors, one I use all the time, you can put a, a URL in there and it'll tell you the, the age of it. So any store that popped up a month ago, it's probably going to be a red flag. Um, and consider how you pay. If this, if the site doesn't take credit cards, don't do it. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that we're hearing, um, is that some people are trying to order from sites and then they're getting called immediately from someone from the site, wanting them to pay via Bitcoin, Mm. um, wanting them to wire money or wanting them to get gift cards or, you know, want a cash app or something like that. Mm. Don't do it. That's a scam. Uh, the other thing you need to think about though, um, when you're ordering baby formula from sites that, you know, you may not recognize is that, uh, just because you get something doesn't mean it's what it is. Uh, we honestly have heard horror stories of parents who thought they were buying formula from a real site and the formula came from China or something and it was not safe. Mm. Uh, so you do not want to put anything that's not safe in your child's body. Uh, so just be really careful. Um, you know, I, I, in a perfect world, we'd sit here and tell you, hey, look, if you don't recognize the site or if it's a uh, it, one you don't re- recognize, do not order from it. But, you know, people are desperate and there's a shortage of formula and you have to have it. So um, what we are telling people is just use as much caution as possible. You can give us a call. We will look at a site and tell you what we think. You can call our inquiry team here at the BBB. But again, the red flags to look out for are scammer grammar. If it's not worded correctly or if you just something's wrong with the logo or something just doesn't look right or, you know, a ripped off image from another from another site. Right. Or if it's just stock photos and stuff like that. Right. Look at the red flags. Uh, use a credit card. You have way more protection with a credit card than you do any other payment form. Um, but just be on the lookout because these sick thieves are out there and they're trying to. I mean, it's just sick, man. Um, and unfortunately, speaking of sick, uh, you know, I, I, another thing I really wish we didn't have to talk about, Charles, but uh, we kind of have to. Um, the emotional toll of the ongoing war in Ukraine and the recent mass shootings in New York and Texas uh, will inspire many to make donations to help the impacted families. But sadly, scammers often take advantage of these moments of vulnerability to deceive donors. So you have to be really careful. And in addition to that, there are often campaigns set up by well-meaning individuals who may not be able to deliver on the promised relief activities. Um, Charles, uh, do scammers really use events like this to deceive people? Oh, yes. Whenever there is a major crisis or a terrible tragedy, there are two things you can count on. The generosity of people wanting to help in fraudulent charities and making sure your money goes to competent relief organizations that are equipped to handle it should be a concern. Yeah, man. Um, Established charities are more likely to have the experience and the infrastructure to address the circumstances, and they have a track record that can be evaluated. So what you can do is look for charities that already have an established presence. 
then established charities are more than likely to have the experience and the infrastructure to address the circumstances. They also have a track record that can be evaluated. And instead of clicking on links that others may send in text and social media, make a donation directly through the charity's own website. It's a really good point, man. Um, you should always try to go directly through that charity. Um, I, I, I can't stress that enough. Make sure that you are going on their website and you, most charities that, that are going to have that infrastructure or that, that are going to be able to supply that, that relief quickly are going to be really transparent and they're going to have, uh, on their website, uh, they will in detail explain how those funds are going to be used. So that's one you want to look out for. Um, so we, we already talked about donating to experienced groups, uh, making sure, uh, that you support, support experienced organizations that stand ready to provide quick and effective assistance. Uh, obviously you should be cautious of those that form overnight in the wake of a tragedy. Uh, and you should also be weary of 100% claims. Uh, watch out for claims that 100% of donations will go directly to relief. Uh, the organization is probably still incurring administrative expenses. Give money rather than goods. Donating money is the quickest way to help and provides charities the flexibility to channel resources to impacted areas. And, yo, you know, crowdfunding is really popular, and crowdfunding sites are used to help share the stories of those in need. If giving, review the platform's policies and procedures. Uh, keep in mind that some crowdfunding sites take precautions in carefully screening, vetting, and um, managing postings, but others may not. So watch out for vague appeals that don't identify the intended use of funds. Um Charles, I, I, I don't do GoFundMe stuff, man, for this reason alone. I know it's really popular. I know a lot of people do it. Um, I hear horror stories all day long, so I'm a little jaded. So mm -hmm. I'm really careful on how I donate money, but I know they're really popular. Um, talk about that for a second. Yeah, um, definitely just like what we were saying earlier, just make sure that the reasoning and uh, one of the things that we're saying is watch out for the vague appeals that uh, don't identify the intended use of funds. So I'll tell a little bit on myself. When I was in college, I mentioned earlier in uh, one of the earlier podcasts, I was a student athlete. D1. D1. Yeah. yeah, here we go. D1. Here we go again. Scholarship. <laughs> and so, but one of the things, even with uh, the financial things that were able to help me, I still wanted money in my own pocket, like physically. And so... I did have the selfish idea. Never went forth with it. Hold on. Did you try to scam people with a GoFundMe page? I didn't try to scam people. But I thought about it starting to GoFundMe as a broke college student. Well, and you know, it's funny you bring that up. Um, that happens. Uh, I mean, if you go on GoFundMe right mm -hmm. now, I know people that have started GoFundMe pages so they can pay down their, their, their debt, like yeah. credit card debt, mm -hmm. right? Like anybody can start a GoFundMe page. We could start a GoFundMe page right now for Todd to mm -hmm. like buy our bread, yeah, right? You exactly. know, this in case you didn't know Mexican pizza. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, there. <laughs> uh, yeah. If so, if you want to contribute to uh, Todd's bread fund or Mexican pizza fund or whatever other food item she's driving around in her car in, um, you know, we can set one up for that. But yeah, that just goes to show you can literally set one of these up for anything. Exactly. Um, and you know, make sure. Respect for victims and their families should be paramount. Um, organizations or crowdfunding postings that are raising funds should always get permission from the families to use either the names and or photographs of victims after a disaster or tragedy. Um, most of the GoFundMe pages out there probably are not, are not legit uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to 
to, to these, right? If you see, start to see pictures and that kind of stuff, chances are they've not gotten permission. I would encourage you to do your research. If it says in the GoFundMe page or, or the crowdfunding page that it's going directly to a specific family, I mean, you just got to be really careful because there are a lot of sick people out there. And also, speaking of sick people, make sure you identify celebrity fundraising plans for what they are. Uh, Before donating to a celebrity's fundraising effort, look beyond the fame. Um, There's a lot of social media influencers out there that are just trying to, I'm not saying they're trying to steal your money, but they've not vetted their charities. And so they trying to influence you to to send money to this GoFundMe page or to, you know, to to this site or this site. And they... They may not be getting paid. They may be well-intended, but uh, they hadn't vetted it. Yeah, so, you know, exactly. don't just think uh, just because they're famous, uh, you can trust them. And then uh, what about financial transparency, Charles? What should we be on the lookout for? So after funds are raised for a tragedy, it is even more important for organizations to provide an accounting of how funds were spent. Transparent organizations will post this information on their websites so that anyone can find out without having to wait until the audited financial statements are available sometime in the future. Yeah, so basically um, what that means <laughs> is you, you just need to be looking on the websites. We, yeah, we talked exactly. about it earlier, right, mm-hmm. like intended use of funds. It is good. It is right. It is something we should be doing. Uh, I know that I've, I've made several donations uh, every time a tragedy happens. I, I do, um, and I've got a couple organizations that I've, I'm not going to say on air uh, because mm-hmm. I don't want to endorse anybody, but mm-hmm. um, you know there there's some tried and true organizations. They are uh, they do meet the BBB standards for uh, charity accountability. And if you are interested in specific charities that can help, we do encourage you to bbbsgive.org. Uh, that's g i v e dot o r g, and there you will see a list of charities, and you can ra- uh, that that are rated, and you can read all about them, and you can you can do your homework mm-hmm. there. Um, but again, uh, you know, it, it's it's completely natural to want to give money, and we encourage you to give. Uh, this is just a horrible, horrible thing to happen. But please, just be careful. There are um, there are people out there that that want to take advantage of your generosity, yep. um, and you just you just got to be careful. And it's sick, you know. We we literally go from, you know, they're targeting mothers of young babies, and now they're targeting you know people who are trying to help people that have been shot. You know, like I, it just, there is no, yeah. it's just crazy, they man. No morals at all. Yeah. It's just evil. Um, unfortunately that's, you know, that's the world we live in. Don't go away. When we come back, Charles will sit down with Michaela Carr, a young entrepreneur. You're listening to the voice of trust. Find trusted businesses for all your landscaping needs at BBB.org. BBB accredited businesses stand out because of their commitment to trust, honesty, and integrity. If you're looking for a business that delivers on their promises, search your local BBB accredited business directory at BBB.org to gain quick and free access to reliable businesses in your area. BBB, start with trust. And welcome back to the Voice of Trust. Here is Charles with our new segment, The New Era of Trust. Charles, take it away. Welcome to A New Era of Trust. This is a new segment on the Voice of Trust podcast that highlights local trustworthy businesses owned by the people defined as Gen Z or millennials. 
Here at the BBB, we desire to tap into the younger mindset of entrepreneurs so we can impact a diverse range of business owners in the ethical marketplace. So with that being said, today we have the one, the only, Michaela Elise Carr with us today. Yes, hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for us and our audience. So a quick brief about Michaela. Michaela is a entrepreneur she is a fitness guru she is an instagram model and and the list goes just on and on and on and on one thing that stands out to me about her because we both uh, attended the same college and i met her my freshman year she she is very similar to me we both started businesses we both uh graduated early in our uh degree and ever since i mean we both just kind of dibble dabble on the same thing so the Michaela Elise Carr, everybody. I know you do a lot of things, but today we're going to focus on your business, Shop Michaela Elise. So right, right. let's just hear a little bit about that. Yes. So Shop Michaela Elise, essentially, of course, my name is Michaela Elise Carr. Middle name is Elise. So, of course, Shop Michaela Elise was born. Um, I started it in the March of 2020, which is kind of when, you know, COVID-19 kind of hit the U.S. in like early 2020. So that's when everything started happening. Jobs started, you know, dissolving. And essentially, I lost my job at the University of Memphis at the Dean of Students office. And so that was my only income at the time, just, you know, being a college student, kind of living on my own in a city with no family. And I had to find a way to, you know, make means to live. In that time, I also totaled my car. Um, some of my close friends know I am a, a crazy driver at times, and I speed. And so I totaled the car and had to get another one. And that was kind of my motivation to say, hey, like, if there's not a job for me, then I'm just going to have to create a job. So that March, um, spring break, I think I just kind of went home and went through my wardrobe, found some clothes. I've always thrifted, but... Just decided to sell some of my clothes and some stuff I found at a local Goodwill um, on Instagram, and it kind of just popped off. So I said, you know, maybe I'll make my own Instagram page just for this. And before I knew it, it kind of just took off, and I started shipping items and doing pickups and drop-offs in Nashville and Memphis. And from there, it just just kind of skyrocketed. So now that's what I do. Wow. What a story. Yeah, that is great. For our listeners out there, let's just focus on uh, the clothes. As you can see, you might not want to get in the car with her, but <laughs> you might want to get some retail and all those right, uh, right, clothes. Right. I'm assuming just all forms of clothes, jackets. So we actually have a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I have been, I'm kind of always, they kind of say when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of do it all your life. So you love hustling. And I, mm -hmm. I'm somebody that has always sold something of some sort, whether it's like drawings, snacks, clothes candy she does, like, she does it I all just, i just do anything um i play violin as well and at some point i was selling like violin lessons so just anything i can like find a way to serve a community while also monetizing it is like my thing so you need the violin <laughs> so yeah 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 definitely. can we can we hear a piece do you have your violin on you i don't i don't i wish uh, i would have brought it but you uh, know if i come back i'll i'll play a song or two uh, i will i gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah yeah but well, anyways yeah. so i did i did i um i sold a lot of things and and through that with covid the business is since it's, i started it in covid it was kind of just like you know i kind of started from i wouldn't say the lowest point but i, I couldn't really get much lower than where i was mm -hmm. with covid yeah. um i also did not have a car at the time so 
I was just at home all day. I had free time on my hands, and I just decided, you know, like, instead of sitting here and moping about not being able to go anywhere, like, let's make some money. So I just found a way to do that. Um, and with COVID happening, I kind of just resorted to everything being online because people weren't really going out to shops and weren't really going to malls. And so I was like, hey, thrift shop is cheap. It's online. It's accessible. And that's kind of where the idea was born. So Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, again, a great story. With my next question, I wanted to ask, so just view me as you're looking, as we're looking at each other, just view me as somebody who wants to start their own clothing line and doesn't know where to begin with. And you you started from, I mean, just like you said, it can't get any worse than COVID. Can't get yeah, any worse than COVID. So. It was rock bottom. <laughs> so if I wanted some advice about starting my own brand, what, yeah. would, what would that be? Ooh, okay, so the first thing I would say is, What's unique about my my clothing line or my thrift shop is that it's not its own specific uh, brand name. So it is a store and it does have its own branding as far as it's being its own store, like maybe like a Plato's Closet or another thrift shop. But the brand itself, I think, is unique in that I'm able to be flexible. So with Shop McKaylee Elise, we actually have two different lines within the shop. So we have a contemporary section that sells more... Um, formal pieces, business wear, affordable business casual clothing. And then we have street wear, which is like retro shoes, hypebeast, you know, like Y2K, 90s, 80s, anything vintage street wear fashion. So to somebody who's starting their own business, I think the most important thing to start with is just finding your niche or just finding like that area that you want to really specialize in. Because if you try to do everything you're going to end up not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Like it it gets to a point where like you want to do, like I was, I even started like that. Like I was like, oh my God, I want to (laughs) sell. So I don't want to sell clothes. I want to sell shoes. I want to sell like furniture. And then I want to like do nails. And then I want to like do fitness. And I I wanted to do like all this in a shop. Like I wanted to sell everything. And I just realized like it's very hard to market when you don't have something that's specified Mm -hmm. because it's very hard to to have a story behind that. And I think that people, when it comes to being a business owner, having a line, a story behind what you do is so important. People identify not with, if they see, you know, an item, a t-shirt, yeah, it's great. But if you can get the t-shirt for $5 here versus $20 at a small business, if the t-shirt looks the same, they're going to go get it for $5. The story behind it is really what matters. So if, you know, you have emotion, you've got a story, you've got a testimony, something that's going to catch people's eye and be like, hey, I connect with that. That's relatable. That's what makes people shop with you. So I think having your specified area and then also having your story, that, and it has to be genuine. You know, you can't just go out here and, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I started this because that. No, it has to be something that's real and it has to come from your heart. And I think people really catch on to that when they see that, okay, this is somebody's passion. This is their story. This is what they want to do. So mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it, I'm thinking that you could probably see my list of questions because that goes into my next question <laughs> as well. But sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. You're all good. Hey, um, but I, I wanted to ask in what we do at the Better Business Bureau and how we have businesses under us that are able to use our seal and our uh, everything that we provide. Basically, mm-hmm. a lot of our businesses have genuine stories and a lot of testimonies as well. Mm-hmm. So let me tell our audience, uh, shop. Michaela Lease is not accredited with us, but that does not mean that she's not a trustworthy business. As you can see, her story and how that came, uh, how she came up, and how she even started—that's definitely something that um, is trustworthy, genuine, just like we said. So, yeah. for the people out there, and 
or perspective that isn't in our data system or isn't necessarily accredited business. What does an ethical marketplace sound like for you? Like what does, and what I mean by that is like the morality and genuineness, like you were saying, like how much does trust really matter to you in an, in the outside world? My business specifically, I would say, and I didn't really touch on this before, but mm. one thing that we really value and that's really important to us is sustainable fashion. That's why we are a thrift shop, um, and we kind of try to stay away from, like, reselling or anything that's brand new because we want to promote sustainable fashion. Um, one of the reasons I started thrifting when I was younger is just because that's something that I saw um, a lot in the community is that, there was the issue of fast fashion and growing up, you don't know what that is. But as you get older, you realize the impact of, oh, my God, like child labor. There's so many things happening. All these businesses, the pretty little things, the boohoos, the Shein's, the mm -hmm. they're all being funded by this fast fashion that's often done by, I mean, it involves child labor. It involves, you know, these crazy work laws. And, and people don't think about that because they don't have to see it. Exactly. Um, and so that's something that we really value. And we think that in an ethical workplace, you know, if you really want to get down to the root of it, it really starts with a consumer. And so what we want to promote is that, hey, this is what fast fashion is doing. And yes, this may be trendy. This may be in right now. But 50 years down the line, 20 years down the line, you want a piece of clothing that's going to last. And you want something that, you know, can be given back to the environment in a way that's more sustainable. And so that's what we try to promote is shopping secondhand and using things that, you know, may be used but still look good, still are very unique. Um, and often are vintage pieces you'll never find again because they're so unique and maybe dated. Um, so that's something that we really promote. As far as ethics in the workplace in general, um, trust is everything. I think before you like a business, you have to trust the business. Um, I wouldn't personally spend my money with any business I don't feel like I can trust. I mean, I think the way you build that trust, again, is through relatable testimonies and relatable stories. Um, so for me, just being a business that's not accredited with the BBB, I think that an ethical workplace would look like one that is transparent, um, that's honest about their values and what they promote. Um, like I said, I just listed some of my values. So just being able to do that, um, just be upfront with your customers and just say, Hey, like, this is what we stand for. So what kind of is your mindset or when you talk about the Better Business Bureau or when you or when somebody brings it up, what first comes to mind? Like, what what do you know about it? <laughs> okay. So, honestly, again, to be transparent, because that's what I like to always yeah, do. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> every day. Um, I don't know much about the Better Business Bureau. What I've heard is that it is a corporation, um, and that word typically, like, in my mind, already draws a red flag. So, I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily know, um, but I would love to know more about it. I think it's something that, typically has a negative light in the minds of like small business owners just mm -hmm. because some people don't know like what it is or it seems like it may be more geared towards larger corporations. I don't know, but that's kind of how it is in my head. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think you'll be happy to know that our services and when people sign up under us, what it happens is people go to BBB.org mm -hmm. and they look for a type of business. So for your, for yours example, you would type in clothing or retail. Mm -hmm. And if you were accredited with us, potentially shop Michaela Lease would be one of the first ones that pop up. And these are oh. all, you just scroll through it, and these are all the local uh, businesses that are trustworthy. And because they're signed up under us, they automatically, the, in order to be signed up with us, you have to meet a, spe uh, a specific amount of requirements. Mm. 
which means that you have to have trustworthiness, genuineness, yeah. all the values that you basically just said. So yeah. that's um, crazy. Oh wow. yeah. So it's like a business directory. Yeah. Business yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. We do, and we also do a lot more. But for this specific yeah. conversation, I, I could talk forever about that. Yeah. But for this specific conversation, I'm just gonna go ahead and uh say that. But I do want to know what do you feel like your business could use more of, and what? And I want to kind of relate that to the Better Business Bureau. Like, what do you? I know you don't know much about it, but what do you feel like your business could use that we could potentially offer? Oh gosh, what couldn't my business use right now? Um, so one thing about my business is that it has. So we've been open since March of 2020, so a little over. I guess two years now, um, but it's just me. <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. the I'm the only one that really runs the Instagram. Who has I built the website, um, and then I do you know all the daily thrifting, the shopping, taking it home, washing, modeling, steaming, editing pictures and posting, and creating content. So it gets to be like a lot. Um, so what I was gonna say I could use is help, but from the business bureau, I think. And kind of goes in hand with that. It's just in receiving that help and just overall in getting more traffic to the business, just overall exposure. And I think that the Better Business Bureau could really help with that. Um, With my business being online, a pro of it is that it's online, so so many people can access it from all over the world and shop with me. Um, But a con of that is that there are a lot of shops online that aren't trustworthy and that Mm -hmm. do a lot of scamming and with that, there are people that, you know, they'll DM me or send me messages through the website every day, like, hey, um, can I see more proofs? Or, yeah. like, are you real? Can I trust this business? And it, it's it, it's frustrating because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you post these things and you have these policies and all these proofs posted, but, you know, people always are going to want that extra piece of security. So I think having something like an accreditation would help me just secure that, yeah. that trust from some people exactly. that may be skeptical. Because with, the, like, for example, the demographically just like the older population they're not too comfortable with shopping for clothes online they don't Mm -hmm. really feel like that's safe they'd rather go in see it try it on um and like with my shop we do have policies where you can return things and stuff like that but just having that accreditation i think would make them go hey this is something i can trust and put my money with and you Mm -hmm. know connect with so hey she said it not me so i'm not i'm sitting here i'm not trying to sell you anything but you did move yeah yeah, you said it all. And we do have a awesome team here that uh, we don't necessarily website build. You, If uh, a person were to sign up under us, they would have their own BUB account that mm-hmm. would be able to potentially, once they put stuff on it, and just like you said, you do their own photos, you do your own, yeah. all of that. So you could just easily post that and make your uh, account complete to 100%. And then bam, like you're instantly already on Google a little bit more. Yeah. Like when people search up clothing, you're potentially could pop up a little bit more so just like you said i'm just i'm just instant exposure hey hey yeah you heard it here first so with that being said i mean i could talk forever but where can they find you michaela yes 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 so if you guys are looking for sustainable secondhand streetwear in contemporary fashion you can find us on the internet, the website is www.shopmikaelaelise.com. It's M-A-K-A-Y-L-A-E-L-I-S-E. Same thing is for the Instagram and the TikTok. Um, they're both Shop Michaela Elise. If you want to find the Facebook page, it is Shop Michaela Elise. 
They're all the same. Uh, you can check out there. All of those have checkout links, and they're all secure. So if you want to pay through PayPal, Shopify, debit or credit card, you can do so. Um, but, yeah, you can find us there and follow those pages for more content. There Hope we to go. see you there. Yeah. Love to hear it. Well, thank you again for, yes, for yes, being yes, here. Yes. Shop Michaela Elise, everybody, and thank you again, Michaela Carr. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to The Voice of Trust, brought to you by the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you need to get in touch with us, you can at podcast at bbbmidsouth.org. Again, podcast at bbbmidsouth.org, or you can give us a call at 901-759-1300. We'd love to hear from you. Again, you can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, like Spotify or Apple or any of the other platforms. Thanks to Michaela Carr for coming on. We really enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time on The Voice of Trust. Did you enjoy this episode of The Voice of Trust podcast? Head over to Apple or Spotify to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.